0: And welcome to this episode of Ann Arbor AF, a podcast for folks trying to figure out what's going on in Ann Arbor. We discuss current events in local politics and policy, governance, and other civic good times. I'm Molly Kleinman, and my pronouns are she, her.
1: I'm Michelle Hughes, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm
2: Jess Ta and my pronouns are she, her.
0: We're your co-hosts to help you get informed and get involved. It's your city. Let's jump in.
2: Today, we're talking about Ann Arbor's next election with applications for absentee ballots going on now and then voting happening from early October through November 2nd. The ballot has been finalized. There are no candidates, only four proposals, three of which pertain to amending, uh, excuse me, all of which pertain to amending Ann Arbor's city charter. The nuts and bolts about this year's election. uh, Applications for absentee ballots are going out now And then mail-in voting and early voting will start in early October and go through Tuesday, November 2nd. On that day, Tuesday, November 2nd, polling places will be open 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. If you're voting by mail, we'll put in an application for an absentee ballot, the link to receive that application in the show notes. You can also vote early in person at the city clerk's office at City Hall. Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., excluding holidays, and the lunch hour, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. You can also drop in your mail-in ballot at the absentee ballot drop box at city hall at any time. Absentee in ballot applications.
1: Yeah. 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 Yes, worst exactly. Case scenario, November 2. That's that's what November, I'm two. Say. Yes. November
2: 2. Yes. Thank you. Absentee ballot applications are already being mailed out to people on the permanent absentee voter list. I got mine a couple of weeks ago. To get on that list, again, we'll drop a link in the show notes. A a reminder that the U.S. mail recommends at least seven days lead time for mail-in ballots. So with all that, we'll get into the proposals and Molly's kicking us off. All right. So first we have Proposal A. Ann Arbor City Charter
0: Amendment related to best value purchasing. We first covered this amendment in the episode 31 of the podcast. The language of Proposal A is, Shall Section 14.3, Subsection D of the Charter be amended to require the city to award contracts for supplies, materials, or public improvements to the bidder that is deemed the best value to the city rather than the lowest responsible bidder. The short version of the reasoning behind this amendment is that it would allow the city to consider things like the percentage of local workers who a contractor is hiring, the environmental record of the contractor, what kinds of job safety protocols they use, and other things related to the quality of the work and the value for the city beyond dollar amounts. So the current ordinance says basically the same thing, except um that the like the contract shall be awarded to the lowest responsible bidder. And so this is the this distinction between lowest responsible bidder and best value bidder. So there's a little bit of history with this one. In July of 2020, the city revised this same ordinance. So the, it's the ordinance for purchasing, contracting, and selling procedure. Uh, to give more definition around what a responsible bidder was, so lowest responsible responsible bidder was already in the charter, but they wanted to expand on what responsible meant, and this was a change that was supported by uh, one of the construction unions uh, in the in Michigan, and they they made this change to sort of expand this definition to think about things like as I said before, local percentage of local workers and um, union workers and things like that. However, the city charter requires that each contract be to the lowest responsible bidder. And so my understanding is that the emphasis has been on the lowest and not on the responsible part. And so city staff have been hamstrung in their ability to actually enact this responsible Bitter policy that was first passed last year um, and so as a result of this like lowest bidder situation there have been problems with work quality in recent years in the city uh, including some pretty high profile things that have happened in the last year including the there was a bad water main break on maple earlier this year and there have been a bunch of sewage spills so in short, the goal of this charter amendment is to give the city more flexibility to hire, to to choose contractors based on quality and not just price. Uh, it's pretty, this is a pretty nuts and bolts governance kind of a charter amendment, but our take is to vote yes. So yes, we should change this rule so that we can hopefully have some higher quality work and fewer water main breaks.
1: I also wanted to mention there was uh, there was a at least one contract this past year that where the um, city council saw it go through and they said hey wait a second we how did how did we end up awarding this contract to this bit to this bidder because like you know we have this responsible bidding policy where they have to be you know they have to do they have to meet this and this and this requirement in order to in order to qualify as a responsible contractor and. Now, the staff was like well they filled out the questionnaire they said they're not responsible but <laughs> they filled out the questionnaire and that meets the that meets the goals and so um staff kind of didn't feel like they had the leeway to recommend a different contractor and at that time the city council did decide to override the staff recommendation and award mm-hmm. the contract to somebody else but um this makes sure that that is something that will be happening every time,
0: right? It's it's. I think of it as sort of a refinement to the ongoing process we've been in to improve our contracting policies. A similar process has been going on in at the county level. Um, Washtenaw County has also um, put forward this re- um, responsible bidder policy, and they've also had to refine it since the first time they passed it. And I will say that in terms of um, city like city politics, this seems to be a pretty bipartisan measure where partisan, you know, it's all the Democrats, but it seems to be supported, um, have support on both sides. Uh, So next we're gonna do proposal B and that's Michelle.
1: Yes, um, proposal B is uh, Ann Arbor city charter amendment for uh, ranked choice voting for the election of city officers. And the text that's on the ballot will be, shall the charter be amended to provide that the mayor and city council members are to be nominated and elected by a ranked choice voting method when it is authorized by state law. And we first discussed this on episode 32 when the city council approved putting this on the ballot. Um, And so, um, yeah, what this would give us is, um, it is the system of called ranked choice voting. And um, what that would mean is that when when you get your ballot and you're voting on who you want to see on the city council, you don't just have one vote where you say, I want person A or I want person B. You can say, you can like put them in order of choices. And so if there's more than two candidates, you can say like, okay, well, this is my number one choice. This is my number two choice, but oh boy, do I not, not want number three, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you just put them in order like that. And, um, the, and the way it would work then is when they're tallying the votes to see who won the election, um, they look at everyone's first choice. And if only by counting the first choice votes, nobody gets more than 50 percent, then what they'll do is they'll take the lowest scoring candidate off and look at who, all the people who voted for that person as their first choice. They'll pick their second choice. OK, well, and they'll redistribute those votes. And then now okay, now does anyone have more than 50%? And then they'll keep cutting off the lowest scoring candidate until somebody gets more than 50%. And so this is the best way to, this is, you know, the the theory is that this is a good way to capture people's um, ranked choice preferences. Um, And um, one thing that this gets you is that you don't have like the spoiler effect. Um, Like if there's one candidate that's good and one candidate that's like, you know, awesome, but like, you know, you like them, you you like them a lot, but you don't think they're going to like win or be popular. You don't have to say, ah, well, I really want that guy to win. I really want that person to win, but I'm going to vote for the person who I'm going to vote for the best person who I think can win. You know, you don't, there's not as much of that strategic type of voting and there's not as much of that strategic type of running because like a candidate who, if you want to be a candidate and you, but you sort of agree with someone you don't have to say, well, okay, they have a better chance of winning. So I'm going to throw my weight behind them. You can say, well, no, I'll run, I'll run against them on our differences. And the voters can sort it out. And if they don't, you know, if they want to put, you know, if they want to put one of us as number one and one of us as number two, then we'll see how that, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, I had um, uh, the county clerk, uh, Lawrence Kestenbaum came on my radio show uh, back when I did, I was doing a show like this called Civics Party on WCBN one, uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, Lawrence Kestenbaum came on there and talked about ranked choice voting. And one of the things he said that I liked was he said that it exposes the natural divisions in the electorate. Like the, you know, you don't have to, not everyone has to like arbitrarily, you know, group themselves into one box or the other. And, um, I think that right now, because we use this winner take all election strategy, there's a lot of incentive to side with one of the factions. And um, I think there's some people who don't like that there are two separate factions on the city council or they deny that the two separate factions exist. But this winner take all election um, thing is kind of why we have that because you have to pick one or the other. Whereas like if if it weren't, you know, if, if, if we had the ranked choice voting, then people could be like, well, here's what I think. And, and I'm running, you know, even though I mostly agree with so-and-so, here's where we differ, that kind of thing. Um, one thing this doesn't fix is the student participation problem, um, which is something that people are worried about a lot um, because like, right, you know, the way we do our elections right now for city council is that we have an August primary where we decide who the Democratic Party candidate is, and then we have a November election, where the Democratic whoever won in you know whoever won the Democratic Party in August uh, will be running against whoever won. But no one else when no one else runs in any other parties, so the occasional occasion, independent, the occasional independent. Um, but um, and so you know there's people who feel that like the real choice is August. Who's going to be the Democratic primary candidate? And, um, and August, it's unfortunate because students aren't here to participate in that election. Um, this doesn't fix that. It makes, it makes the August election ranked choice voting and it makes the November election ranked choice voting. So it could be beneficial for some of these independent candidates or you know, maybe third party or other parties could become more influential than they are now um, because it doesn't have to be you know, because you, you could put the Democrats as your number two choice. Um, but uh, we don't actually have, state law doesn't actually allow us to cha- to muck with the election dates very much. There are only three election dates, um, May, August and November. And so if we wanna have a primary and a general election, August and November are are the ones that make sense and are proposed in this thing. Um, no one's proposing to change that. Um, there's a little bit of history behind ranked choice voting in uh, in Ann Arbor. Um, we did use ranked choice voting on one election in the past, and that was the mayoral election of 1975. Um, we had a Democrat, a Republican, and someone from the Human Rights Party, which was a third party that was, you know, they, 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 they were styling themselves as an ultra-liberal party, uh, left of the Democrats. Um, and... So those three parties ran in 1975. Nobody won a majority in the first round. And so they took the Human Rights Party candidate, redistributed their votes um, to, their, to those people's second choice. And the Democrat, Albert Wheeler, was elected by a close margin. And Albert Wheeler was our first and only Black mayor um, here in Ann Arbor um, so far. Um, and that, hap- that happened in 1975. In 1976, Ann Arbor had a special election to repeal ranked choice voting. So that was the history of that. Not a um, good
2: look, Ann Arbor, not a good look. <laughs> good luck. Yes, successful election,
0: right? So we repealed, we repealed it right away, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah. and um, so that was the only election that, that, that we've ever had ranked choice voting. Now, since that time, The state has passed laws centralizing how elections are done. And um, so this is kind of a problem right now because even if we were to pass this in November, um, we we still wouldn't be doing ranked choice voting until the state let us. Um, The state decides like what what voting machines are currently available and current voting machines that are available do not support ranked choice voting. Um, there might also be some other changes to state law that are required to allow ranked choice voting. But what this would do is make us, we'd, we'd jump right on that as soon as the state law allowed us to. And it might like spur the state to action if it knows that there are cities waiting for ranked choice voting. And we would be the second city that's waiting for ranked choice voting. Ferndale passed this in 2004. They've been waiting ever since. Um, but maybe if uh, the fifth most populous city in in the state, Ann Arbor, were to pass this, it might sp- spur the state to action. Um, Lansing was going to vote on it in this same election, um, but they changed their mind. They the city council passed the thing, putting it on the ballot, and then they passed the thing, taking it back off the ballot because they were worried that well, state the state law doesn't implement it yet, so let's not even let's not even have the election to find out if this is what we would want. Um, uh, so that's kind of disappointing because it would have been nice to be joined by Lansing in, our, in the queue waiting for uh, ranked choice voting. One interesting thing is that East Point, Michigan, um, has been using ranked choice voting since 2019. And that was the result of a civil rights lawsuit from the US Department of Justice. They said that um, they had East Point had um, at-large elections, uh, which is not what we do in uh, Ann Arbor except for, for the mayor. Um, and in, you know, in Ann Arbor, we, have, we vote by wards, but in East Point, they had some at-large city council members. And this is a city that's 30% black and no black people ever kept on winning the elections. And they said that it was because of this winner take all type of thing. Um, that was the, that's the argument that was put forward by the US Department of Justice, that case uh, won. And so now, they, now the city is doing uh, has special special dispensation and is required to do ranked choice voting. Um, so I wonder if it would have a similar effect here in this city of like, um, you know, taking, uh, you know, the interests of black voters and allowing them to have more power. Um, so that is interesting. Um, I will be voting yes on this. And, the, and so as, so say we all here on this podcast, so. <laughs> yes. uh, black, and I
2: also want to expand that to non-white in Ann Arbor, our mm-hmm. black population is less than 10%, but our non-white population is greater than 30%. So like That's in that right. sense, we are similar to Ferndale, but I just kind of wanted to I- expand mm-hmm. our definition of what inclusive is, yeah. Right. All right, so we've done proposal A, we've done proposal P, B, moving on to proposal C. Guess what? It's an Ann Arbor City Charter Amendment. I bet you didn't see that one coming. This one is related to emergency procurement. The text of the amendment goes, sap, excuse me, of the ballot proposal goes, shall section 14.2 of the charter be amended to require city council to establish by ordinance the procedure by which the city administrator may make emergency purchases. I am completely freeloading off of Molly's tail. What is the thing? Your coattails here? because it's pretty closely related to proposal A. It actually came out of the same incident, the water main break on Maple, which caused a lot of distress and delay for uh, several weeks on that side of town. As with proposal A, we first discussed this ballot, uh, proposed ballot uh, amendment on the pod in episode 31, which the rest of the world knows is the July 20th council meeting. This one is really about granting staff the flexibility to respond to time sensitive urgent problems at that time staff had to wait for city council to make a decision and in the situation where you've got massive amounts of water gushing you really. You really need to be able to take independent action and then as soon as is reasonably possible, then talk to your governing body about what to do next. So this is about establishing appropriate procedures for emergency response management. Our take on the pod, vote oh, yes. This is good governance, we like it. And rolling straight on into proposal D, it's an Ann Arbor city, a charter, wait for it, amendment, related to the $25,000 limit. The text for this one reads, shall section 14.2 of the charter be amended to permit the city council to delegate to the city administrator the authority to approve purchases and to enter into contracts when the cost to the city is equal to or lesser than $75,000 to be adjustable for inflation. So there's really two important pieces of this. One is that we're raising the current limit, which is $25,000 to $75,000. And the other one is that this is adjustable by inflation. Right now, there is no mechanism within the city charter for us to adjust this, the contract limit uh, oversight by anything under other than a city charter amendment every single time. So what this one is doing is pegging uh, contract amounts to inflation and saying that we can change it by policy next time rather than by vote. So it builds in a little bit of future flexibility, which I kind of like. I want to point out that this doesn't change really anything except how city council meetings are run. All of these expenditures are approved with the annual budget. It's just a part of the amendment, excuse me, of our city charter right now, that city council review and approve every single contract over $25,000. And as we've seen on this pod, as longtime time A2 council followers know, there are a lot of contracts that fall into that category. And it also means that expenses that we have approved can get politicized in the regular course of business. That's not necessarily a bug because it is nice to have kind of the alert of, oh, all right, the police department is purchasing another TASER contract, let's talk about that some more. But it does mean that council is doing a fair amount of business that is already taken care of through other parts of their process. In the memo that accompanied this ballot proposal in the original council meeting agenda. This one was originally uh, July 20th, but this particular ballot proposal got moved to the August 2nd meeting. So if you're looking for the documentation on that, and I know all of you are, it's not in July 20th. I know I made the same mistake. It's in August 2nd. But what the staff memo said is that changing the dollar limit would mean that council would see 48% fewer items in the consent agenda, almost half, which is tremendous where those items account for only 4% total value of all of the contracts that the city enters into every year. So that is a huge ROI sink. Like that is, well, huge. I'll just say terrible. That's a terrible time sink the council was spending. So we're taking a lot of time off of council's plate, which is great. We're taking a ton of time off of staff's plate. They're estimating a savings of 625 fewer staff hours expended on processing resolutions for contract approvals. So again, super try, good governance all around. Ann Arbor AF votes yes. So again, just a really quick recap, four proposals all pertaining to city charter amendments, proposal A, proposal B, proposal C, proposal D. Our take is to vote yes on all. Okay, I just wanted to do should Michelle.
1: actually, should we actually say the, like short titles of each of them or whatever? Proposal i sure. I'll
2: go back in I'll go back in and do it. So A is uh and I'll just stipulate that all of these are city charter amendments. So proposal A Is related to best value purchasing. Proposal B is related to ranked choice voting for city officers. Proposal C is related to emergency procurement, and proposal D is related to the twenty-five thousand dollar limit. Thanks for the prompt. Podcast
1: says yes. Podcast
2: says yes, yes. All right. So quick recap on election logistics: absentee ballot. applications are already out. If you haven't received one, please request one. For everything, we'll drop links into the show notes. Once voting is open, both in-person early uh, and mail-in, those will be accepted through November 2nd, Tuesday, November 2nd. In-person voting Tuesday, November 2nd, polling places are open 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. If you're voting early, it starts early October and goes through November 2nd uh, at the city clerk's office at city hall. That's Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., excluding holidays and lunch hour from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. You can also drop your mail-in ballot off at the absentee ballot drop box at city hall at any time. Absentee ballots, as I mentioned, are already being mailed out to the permanent absentee voter list. If you are on that list and haven't seen yours, get in touch with the city clerk and just see if you can track down what's going on. And a reminder that U.S. Mail is recommending at least seven days lead time for mail-in ballots. And that is your very first Ann Arbor AF ballot preview. Thanks, guys. And that's it for this episode of Ann Arbor AF come check out our episodes and transcripts at our website, annarboraf.com. Keep the conversation going with fellow Ann Arbor AFers on Twitter at the A2 Council hashtag and Facebook in the Ann Arbor Humans Who Walk group. And you can catch co-host Michelle on wcbn.org Tuesdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. It's mostly music made by women, but also the occasional Council recap. And hey, if you wanted to send us a few dollars at ko-fi.com slash to help us with hosting, we always appreciate it. We're your co-hosts, Molly Kleinman, Michelle Hughes, and myself, Jess Leetaw. And thanks to producer Jack Jennings. Theme music, I Don't Know, by Grapes. You can reach us by email at annarborafpod at gmail.com. Get informed and get involved. It's your city.